The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. King Herod heard of the healings, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet like the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with order to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Each week I try to find artwork that illustrates the Gospel lesson for a Sunday. You can see it on the screens, in the commons, or in the weekly St. John email. Sometimes it's difficult to find good artwork for a lesson. Some lessons haven't been the subject of much art. This week was difficult as well, but not because of a lack of artwork. This week was difficult because our gospel lesson is so gory. It is gruesome in so many ways, and artists have done a remarkable job of capturing it all. It's hard enough to stomach the story without any visual. It starts with Herod, worried that John the Baptist has come back from the dead. When men like Herod worried about someone, their best solution was usually murder. In a similarly gruesome story, for which there is also a lot of gory artwork, Herod's father had once murdered all the boys under two in Bethlehem because he was worried about the baby Jesus. And then he murdered three of his own sons because he suspected them of treason. The Herod in our story is one of the surviving sons. 
He does not seem to have been as eager for violence as his father, but he was not lacking in cruelty. Herod divorced his wife and took his brother's wife, Herodias. And when John the Baptist said that it was a sin, Herod arrested him and bound him in prison. But then one day, Herod threw himself a big birthday party. Everyone who mattered was there, and he was feeling powerful. His stepdaughter, a young girl, caught his attention by her dancing, and in his perversion, he swore that he would give her up to half his kingdom. His wife, Herodias, saw an opportunity to take vengeance on John. She hated him because he had spoken against her sin. But her wickedness did not consist in simply asking that John be put to death. She suggested that her daughter should ask for John's severed head, served on a platter, like a course in their meal at this banquet of death. Now, if you feel a bit queasy at this point, as I do, then I think that Mark, the evangelist, has succeeded. I think he tells you this story really to make you uncomfortable. Herod's party is a grotesque, dystopian feast, a feast at which bad is good and wrong is right, and anything clearly goes. It's also a feast at which now, briefly, Herod finds himself in a dilemma. He knows that there's something about John. He can tell that he's righteous and holy. But Herod swore an oath, and everyone is watching. And so, as Mark says, immediately, Herod sent an executioner who gave John's head to the little girl, who gave it to her mother, who received the reward for her wickedness. Herod was sorry that he had to do it, but he did it anyway. Maybe he learned a lesson about swearing such rash oaths, but then he moved on. That is, until this morning, until our gospel lesson, when it seems that John the Baptist has come back from the dead. You can imagine what that might have been like for Herod, like a good old-fashioned haunting, perhaps. At the very least, a startling reminder of the life that he had taken and the evil that he had committed. But to be honest, the perversion and the violence and the wickedness on their own, they're not the most harrowing part of this story. Herod's marital indiscretions, the tragedy of the young girl, the brutality of Herodias, and the loss of a life, these are thoroughly awful in their own right. But there is something even deeper, something even more awful that happens in this scene. God's word is silenced. That's what happens when a prophet is murdered. See if you can get a sense of the tragedy here. Herod's life was a mess. He had made a wreck of it from beginning to end. Everything was out of order and he wasn't slowing down. But even there, even as he added to his own misery, God was merciful to him. His mercy was in the form of John the Baptist. John preached to Herod, 
calling him out on his sin and pleading with him to turn from his wickedness. John was a voice crying in Herod's wilderness, urging him to prepare the way of the Lord. As long as John was alive, offering repentance and life to Herod, there was God's mercy. There was God's love. So when Herod killed John, he wasn't just bringing John's life to an end. He was bringing his own life to an end as well. Without God's mercy, he had no hope of life, no hope of rescue from the pit that he had dug for himself. It's what the people of Israel do time and again, just as they do in our Old Testament lesson today. The priest of Bethel says to the prophet Amos, we don't want to hear from you anymore. We don't want to hear about death and exile. Go away. But if Amos goes away and stops prophesying, it isn't just Amos who has left. It's God and his word and his mercy. If the prophet is gone, God's word is silent and there is no more hope. This puts some things in perspective for us. We're not usually tempted to silence God's word by murder, although it's not unheard of even in our day. For you and me, the bigger risk is simply taking it for granted, neglecting and ignoring God's word, stopping up our ears to its call for repentance. Silencing God's word for you and I, for you and me, can be as easy as skipping church or pushing aside scripture and prayer in our daily lives, all of which put distance between you and God's mercy. This world is like a desert, but there are places that are lush and full of life, watered by springs that flow without ceasing, wherever God's word is found. To silence God's word is tragic. It's like someone dying of thirst in the middle of an oasis. But on the other hand, consider this. Consider the overwhelming mercy of God, which has given us his word in abundance. It's here every week in the liturgy and in preaching, in the water and in the body and blood. It's written in your Bibles and it's inscribed on your hearts. It's there in the word, the name that was given to you in baptism, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It overflows in your lives, and every drop of it is life, forgiving your sins and delivering God's mercy. Cherish it. Maintain and protect it. And share it. This world is home to some truly awful things, and people love to wonder where God is in all of it. The lesson of Herod and John is surprising. God's mercy abounds right in the thick of things. Wherever God's word is not silent, wherever repentance and the forgiveness of sins are preached, even in the mess and the wreck that we make of our lives, even there, God's mercy is alive and well and overflowing. It does not always deliver comfort, at least not right away. Often, in fact, it is uncomfortable, as it was for Herod. No one likes to hear John preaching about sin and death. That is, until you realize that he's clearing away all of the false and fleeting comforts that distract, and he's making the way 
for true comfort in Jesus. And there is another surprising lesson of Herod and John. Remember how the story began. Herod worried that John had come back from the dead. Although it might have seemed like torture to Herod, a resurrected John would actually have meant the return of God's mercy. But that's not who this is. It isn't John raised from the dead. It's not another prophet who will live and die and in whose death God's word will again be silenced. It's Jesus. And that changes everything. It means that God's mercy is now present, not in words only, but in our flesh and blood. It means that now, once and for all, not even death can put an end to God's mercy. Herod managed to silence John, but nothing not suffering or cross or grave, can destroy the flesh and blood of Jesus. And so his mercy is eternal. And it's yours. It is here in abundance continually for you. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.